0: I'm gonna tell you how to stop avoiding that true calling in 2024. Making progress for you towards your purpose. And then a new study on the drawbacks of remote work. It's not what you think. We'll break it down. Here we go. Helping you win in your work life so that you're winning in other areas of your life. This is The Ken Coleman Show. I'm Ken. And uh, let's talk about that little voice, that nagging voice. Maybe it's a nagging voice. Maybe it's a, a whisper. Maybe it's shouting at you. So the question is, are you really, truly unclear on what that calling is? Now, you may not know all of the minutiae, the details, the timeline, but are you really unclear about that nagging calling, that call to be the person that you know you're supposed to be? Or... Are you hiding from it? I think many of you know the direction you're supposed to be going in. Why do I have such confidence in this? Because I've coached over 7,000 people on the air, and many of them present themselves as unclear, unsure. And then when we get into the coaching call, they are sure. They just don't have a lot of confidence. There's a difference between being sure and having confidence. I'm sure that I'm supposed to do this, but I'm not confident that it's going to work out the way that I want it to work out. So you who say, "Mm, I don't know if I'm clear on what it is this calling is, I think you do know. I think you're aware of your talent, what you're good at. I think you're aware of your passion, the work you love to do. I think you're aware of, of your mission, the results that you're supposed to contribute to the world. I think they've been confirmed in your heart over and over again throughout your life. And the reason you keep hearing the voice is because you can't deny it. You can't put it out of your mind because it's on your heart, seared into your heart. But the reality is, is you're just like I was for years. You're terrified to fully step into the arena, to step out. So what you do is you keep ignoring it or trying to distract yourself so you don't hear the voice. You can't really turn it down, though. The reality is is that doing that thing, responding to the call, would require you to walk a daunting path that is littered with unknowns. Take you to my story. Pretty clear the call was for me to be on a microphone, to be on stages, to be on radio, on television. I really did believe that with all my heart, but I had no idea how I was going to get there in my early 30s three kids no clue how I'm going to get there I didn't know a whole lot in the what category or the where category and I knew nothing in the how category so I have all these big unknowns it was terrifying is this a waste of time is there a better option those are big questions that get very detailed as we begin to pursue to answer the call. So for some of you, the calling really is a crazy, intimidating amount Everest. For me in broadcasting, it was absolutely very, very difficult. Now, the idea of that summit is awesome and awe-inspiring, and it inspired me, and I'd get excited and romantic about it until I realized now I actually have to figure out how to climb all the way up there. But when you just look at the top of the mountain, It's exciting, but when you think about, oh, now I actually have to figure out how to climb the mountain, your imagination and your survival instincts go crazy. They paint a picture of a long, difficult, and sometimes dangerous journey, and all of a sudden, you go from, oh, to, oh, those are the emotions. You're overwhelmed, intimidated paralyzed. So here's the reality. If you want to make peace with the calling on your life you have to answer it. You have to say yes before you know the how and the where. And that's tough because it's not how we're wired. Many of us would say yes if you show me where And you show me how. But many times we can't figure that out immediately. Are those answers to where and how readily available? Yes. But they are on the path, further down the path from that first step. So let's walk through how do we actually make forward movement in answering the call. The first step, commit. Commit to the climb. Commit in your heart. I know that I know I'm supposed to do this. I've done the cursory basic research. I know I've got the talent for it. I know I have the passion for it. I know that it creates results that matter deeply to me. So I know with experience and education, I can figure this out, and I'm going to. I'm in. I know how to swim, but I haven't had to swim yet other than just lessons with my teacher. But here's the deal. i got to jump in the pool. My teacher, my parents aren't around. I know I can swim, but I'm going to have to jump in in order to prove to myself that I actually can swim. That's commitment. Step two, now we prepare. We prepare for the climb. If we were going to climb Everest, which we're not, but if we were or some other large mountain, we would have to do a lot of research and figure out what is going to have to be true for me to be equipped to do this. So, We've got the physical side of things, the mental side of things. And then we've got the tactical. What equipment are we going to need? So you would be going to the gym and you would be getting in climbing shape. And then you would be looking up all the equipment you need. Find the equivalent for, for that in your life. If it's not Mount Everest, if it's going to be nursing, if it's going to be teaching, if it's going to be writing, if it's going to be singing, whatever it is, if it's going to be coding, if it's going to be... Engineering. Figure out what it's going to take for you to be qualified to actually make the climb. Step three, start the climb. Don't prep forever. Many people just prep and prep and prep and prep and prep. And they make excuses for why they didn't actually start the climb. So decide in advance what starting looks like. Put a date on the calendar. Commit. And we're going to start. Maybe that is quitting your day job. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's just starting a side hustle, publishing that first article or piece of music or a podcast. Pick a specific day, as I said, and keep the commitment. Stop planning at that point, and that's the day we start doing. Step four, stay active. You've got to stay active. People who make it to Mount Everest don't quit. Do they have to hunker down every once in a while? Maybe due to uh, their energy level, maybe an actual injury, maybe weather. Yes, they hunker down. They really actually talk about hunkering down on the side of the mountain, but what they don't do is stay there. They hunker for a while, but then they're climbing. Every day they got to make progress. Every day you have to get up and see, we've committed and now we've started. So we aren't just going to press pause and sit in the middle of the road and let everybody run us over. Step five believe. You're going to need a lot of faith on this journey. And as a person of faith, I really do believe that you've got to be able to trust in God. But I also got to believe in myself, too. There's no 100% safe, formulaic path to the top of Everest or to your professional destination. You're going to encounter the unexpected. Choose to believe that you have what it takes. Remind yourself, I do have the talent. I, I do have the passion. I really do. I can actually get there. It can work. And if I actually stay, and I stay with it, and now that means I stay mentally and I stay with it physically. There's two types of staying. I'm going to stay the course mentally, I mean I'm, I just refuse to quit. And and now that translates into the emotional and the physical to where I am actually continuing to go. And when I do that, I will get there. Opportunities that I never saw will approach. Why? Because I just kept moving. Here's one thing to think about. Most people will quit in the middle of this journey. And so many opportunities came to me because I just simply stayed around long enough to where somebody was like, oh, I didn't know you were here. And I will tell you that other people dropped off. People didn't stay with it. Nah, I'm not doing this. I'm moving on. The only moving you need to be doing is moving forward. I don't care what the pace is, move forward. And watch things move on your behalf. Answer the call. We need you. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a 1,000 hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to The Ken Coleman Show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman. BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome to the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, if this show is equipping you, encouraging you in any way, would you help us by spreading the word? You could do that if you're on YouTube, by liking the videos you're watching, subscribing to the channel, and sharing as well. And then if you just listen to the show via your favorite podcast app, uh, give us a follow, a five-star review, and a share. That would be great. Uh, Okay, so I've covered remote work a lot. I'm not going to go the direction you think I'm going here. Let me also say that I'm not anti-remote work. I'm just not. Uh, I I posted something recently, and on Instagram, and and somebody went in the comments and said, "I am so glad to see you being in support of remote work now." Which was funny because the post wasn't like pro remote work; it was talking about all these leaders who want people to come back into the office. And uh, I was saying, "Look, if you want to get remote workers back in, you got to do more than you know pizza parties and all these basic incentives." People, the reason they like remote work is because they crave freedom, give people freedom, autonomy in their work, and they'll probably come back in. Because that's really what they're looking for. So anyway, something to that, it was from the show. And somebody goes on and goes, I'm so glad to see you say something positive about remote work. I almost unfollowed you. And I'm like, good night, folks. I'm not anti-remote work, but I've been very clear that I think that remote work limits teamwork. I don't think that remote workers are lazy and I don't think remote workers can't be productive. I don't think that. I think they can. I would be a fool to say otherwise because the data is very, very wide um, and deep as it relates to productivity. What I have said was, is I think that it hurts collaboration and team building and culture building. Well, there's now a new massive study out. And I mean massive. Um, this was published in the journal Nature, but it was done by Oxford University and University of Pittsburgh professors and scientists. And they, they poured over 20 million scientific studies and 4 million patent applications from around the world over the past 50 years. And here's what they were digging in. They were digging into... Was there a pattern of breakthroughs associated with in person collaboration? Because a lot of these studies have multiple people collaborating on the study and on the research, but they work very far away at times. And so that's what they were looking for. They were looking for collaboration patterns based on in person collaboration versus remote collaboration because you can do both so that's what's really interesting now before I get into the study understand that a lot of CEOs and this has been widely reported have a similar position as I do that you know what when people are together there's just better energy better culture um, and that's what we're longing for and that's been the big thing and it's been about well You know, we can get more done if we're together. And it's it's a little bit of the quantity play. But this study comes in looking at the quality play. Is the work better when there is in-person collaboration versus remote collaboration? That's what they were seeking to find. And here's what they found. Collaborating in person did produce more breakthroughs. Now, they're studying all the scientific research-based work. So if you want a caveat or an asterisk, that's the one. Because they're not studying every type of work across multiple industries. What they're studying is, when people are scientifically experimenting and researching and they are collaborating, was there a change? And the change was very positive. And, uh, not the change, There the difference was that there were more breakthroughs when people were collaborating in person versus remotely. Interestingly enough, the farther away team members were from one another. So sometimes they weren't even in the same time zone. The worst chance they had of producing work that was groundbreaking. Teams located in the same city, for example, were 22% more likely to produce innovative patents than teams spread out by several hundred miles or more. And twenty seven percent more likely to produce pioneering insights, so innovative patents, pioneering insights. It's not even close, not even close. So we, so we, okay, okay. What do we take away from this? I'll tell you what I think it is in just a minute. One of the uh, economists who co-authored the paper on the study, Carl Benedict Frey said, if you think of it purely from the perspective of trying to develop breakthrough technologies, you should probably be on site as much as possible. In other words, the more creative or the more innovative that you need to be, you should be in the same room. That's the big bumper sticker takeaway. And that does not in any way make a case against remote work. You could be a company that is... 100% 100% everybody's remote work. But if we've got to get to the bottom of something, we've got to be super creative, we got to be innovative, we got to solve a very important problem, we're not going to be remote for a couple of days. We're going to be all in the same room, and we're going to lock it down, and we're going to get after it, and we're going to harness that energy. That's the big takeaway. Now, if you ask executives out there who are demanding that their employees return to the office full-time, They'll probably say, well, there's just a quality of conversations at the water cooler. And I think that somehow makes us all better. Well, they're right. That's what the study found. Among teams that worked in person, many of the collaborators participated in the initial stages of conceiving the research. On remote teams, by contrast, the more established collaborators, meaning experienced, tended to come up with an original idea on their own. Then they delegated the technical task of the study to their less established peers. So, having better, more collaborative interactions early in the big picture thinking stage, it did lead teams to pursue more novel ideas. Last point that this article makes, and then I'm going to wrap this up and tell you what I think the takeaway is and why we should believe this study Even for companies that want to let their entire staff work from home, the findings offer some hints on how to avoid losing out on innovation. Instead of letting the most senior bosses come up with the ideas for everyone else to execute, look for ways to get everybody involved in the brainstorming in the same room. Now, if you can't do that, still you need to create a remote version of the water cooler. People can be a little bit shyer on Zoom, but if you can make it fun the idea is to get everybody literally on the same page even if it's zoom and there's like 47 of you i actually did a uh, a keynote about 2 months ago it was a remote keynote a key, keynote rather and i could see about 300 people on this zoom and the the uh, The organizer said, is this going to distract you? I said, no, I think it's kind of fun. So there's all these little itty-bitty windows. I don't know if it was Zoom or not, but it was pretty crazy. So what do we take away from this? There is nothing as powerful as putting people in a room where they can watch, feed off of each other's energy, bounce off of each other's ideas, and then receive affirmation when They make a contribution. I think those are the three factors that make in person innovation second to none. In person collaboration is more powerful for those reasons. I'm less likely to be distracted, I'm less likely to be discouraged. Everybody's in there, everybody's contributing. I'm getting feedback, I'm getting challenged, I'm getting ideas that maybe I wouldn't have gotten, but when I hear it, I'm able to go, oh, that's a good idea. Well, yes, and what about this? And those three factors come together for what is, I believe, a palpable, you can feel it in the room, the momentum because everybody's working towards the same thing. We're all feeding off of each other's ideas, energy, and the reward system. I throw out an idea, or I throw out something, and my colleagues go, oh, that's good. Boom, dopamine rush, I'm even more engaged. That cannot happen when you're isolated. So, I think it's really interesting stuff. Leaders, those of you who are trying to lead innovative and creative teams with remote staffs, get them together some, if nothing else, just for the collaboration and innovation. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't we all need help being better? And they're great at it. You know, we all carry around a lot of stress from our family life and our professional life, and it can just hit us at the same time. Big stuff, small stuff. And we can talk to our friends, or maybe you have a great relationship with a leader at work or a coworker, but you may not feel comfortable telling them everything. I know I wouldn't. And when we keep things bottled up, it will eventually leak out, and it's really negative. But therapy, it's a safe space. To get everything off your chest with an unbiased professional and figure out how to work through the stuff that's weighing you down. So if you've thought of therapy before, you're thinking about it now, please try BetterHelp. Therapy isn't just for people who've gone through trauma. It's great to build skills, to become better personally and professionally. And BetterHelp is flexible enough to fit your busy schedule because it's completely online. All you do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get stuff off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel com slash Ken. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. It's time to coach somebody up. we got Leslie joining us in Birmingham, Alabama. Leslie, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. How can I help?
1: Hi, Ken. How are you?
0: I am living the dream. What is happening with you?
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, So just uh, just to provide some background, I was actually a caller on the Dave Ramsey show, and you were um, hosting with Rachel. Okay. And so you had gifted me the Get Clear assessment. Good. Um, we, we talked about how kind of ADHD factors into my job struggles. Yeah. And so kind of my current question is, um, you know, I have a master's in accounting, I'm currently an accountant, uh, but it's just, I don't know if it's the ADHD or after taking your assessment, honestly, I'm also wondering if it's just that it's not really something I'm passionate about, but my productivity is not near as high as it needs to be. Yeah. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, I have a master's and so, you know, I'm wondering, can I still use this degree? Uh, Or should I do something completely different? And the Get Clear assessment, I feel like, was spot on. Interesting.
0: Tell me the results. Let's walk through those. So give me the top three talents, the things you do best. What are they?
1: Sure. So top three would be, um, it said compassion, communication, and inspection.
0: Compassion, communication, inspection. So that, that tells me right away you're really good at people stuff because you're so compassionate, you have a heart for people and you communicate well with those people and you're just naturally very detail-oriented in the sense of, well, that's not true. Inspection is not so much that I am detail-oriented, it's that I am able to walk in a room and I'm able to size up the room or size up a person very, very quickly, it's almost like I'm a private investigator. I've got the talent of kind of observing and um, analyzing. That's what inspection is. Does that sound right to you?
1: Yes, I I would say so. I think I'm more observant in some situations, but if I'm interested in something, I can pretty quickly come to a conclusion.
0: 100%. Well, we'll get to that part. That's where the ADHD is a superpower. So for instance, Mm -hmm. uh, I am super observant, when it comes to people, sports, history, politics, business, leadership, those are some things where I go, oh man, I'm in. But man, you start throwing mm-hmm. math and science and interior decorating and I don't know, I'm trying to think of other things. I'm, I'm out, right? Yeah. So you have your areas of super mm-hmm. interest. Okay. Now let's talk about passion and what you love to do. We're talking about a task or a role you love mm-hmm. to fill. What the assessment tell you?
1: So it said, uh, researching, protecting and advising.
0: Okay. And you agreed with that?
1: Yes. Those are 100%. I agree.
0: Isn't that fun? Researching. Yeah, uh, pro- yeah go ahead. Give me your thoughts. Oh,
1: oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Well, okay. So the researching and protecting, yes, 100%, like to the max, um, advising, I'm not so sure because I don't view myself as a people person, but, when I think about the situations where I feel energized and where I feel the most happy, it is in situations that like benefit people or like, like I want to help people, but it's,
0: that's the I compassion.
1: As, yeah.
0: Yeah. But you know what? So. You, you may not consider yourself a people person and that you don't think you're Mrs. Mm-hmm. Charisma or Mrs. Extrovert. Is that what I'm hearing?
1: Sure. Yeah. I like to be around people, but I don't, I don't necessarily like being the center of attention or anything. That's
0: so. fine. So you've just mislabeled yourself. Stop that.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Because you're really good with people, mm-hmm. yes or no? Uh, you are. I don't know. Someone I'm who's young. got the gift of compassion, the talent of compassion. That means, mm-hmm. you just said you, you really come alive when you're taking care of people. That's compassion. Yep. And you, you come alive when you're communicating with people, maybe in that process. But I mean, you're mm-hmm. good with people. You, you, you Your okay. assessment can't be right. It can't be right if you say you're not good with people.
1: Sure. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because you're good of, with because people. of my yeah.
0: interest and in passions. Yeah. yeah okay. You are. You just are suffering from right. a lot of confidence issues. But well, we're gonna fix that. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. All right, now, let's get your missional result. What what was your driving mm-hmm. thing you're most motivated by producing is what? Uh, it's,
1: it's actually efficiency.
0: Yep, not surprised. And the reason I'm okay. not surprised by that is because of the inspection piece. You're the natural critic. Hmm. The, the 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 person with the talent of inspection is a not only mean that means you're does not mean that you're ugly about it, mm-hmm. that you're mean spirited about it. Yep. It means you walk in a room uh and you see everything that needs to be fixed. Or you're with some you're with a person and you're yeah. watching Yeah, see, you got that, didn't you? Yep. All right. So yeah. again, that means you're going, it should work this way. Mm-hmm. Could be doing it better. So that's efficiency. The yeah. researching is diving in, tearing something apart, getting to the bottom of something. That's researching. Um, okay. But the protecting is all about you care about the idea of making sure that things are right. The, the protect. I want to make sure that people are protected and guarded and cared for um, and that's where uh, some of that accounting stuff comes into play. And the advising doesn't mean that, you know, mm-hmm. you're some big shot consultant. It just means all that research, uh, all that desire to help people, it comes out when you tell them, here's how I can help you. And that's where mm-hmm. you see how communication and advising match up. Yes, for sure. And inspection and research match up and then compassion mm-hmm. and protecting match up. Mm I just drew lines between all of them. So I love that you feel like it's spot on. So now that we know, now that we're really crystal clear on who you are, the reason you're not productive in that accounting job is what? See if you know the answer based on what we just talked about.
1: (laughs) It's removed from people. I'm just sitting in front of a computer all day and doing a random tax return.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm not, I'm not, it's exactly right. There's not a whole lot of protecting and advising going on. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of, there's not much compassion going on. There's, there's, -hmm. there's, there's not a lot of communication. I'm just stuck in a process and that's what's missing. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. your heart's not engaged. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And when a person's heart is not engaged, guess what happens? We get bored.
1: They just lose interest.
0: Yeah. Get bored, lose interest. And why why would we want to do that? You know? So that's the answer as to why you're not productive. Mm-hmm. You're the bot, by the way, just to let you off the hook a little bit more, because I remember the phone call with you and Rachel now.
1: Yeah. To mm-hmm. let you
0: off the hook a little bit. You do mm-hmm. know that's how you're wired. The way we are wired is to use what we do best, to do something we enjoy, and that's how the God of the universe created us. Mm -hmm. God did not wire us to be bored. He wired us to be creative and productive. So when we aren't being creative and or productive, then our excitement and the emotional and all that stuff slips out of us. And now the body's sending out these other chemicals and the brain and the heart are searching so it's sending out all this negative stuff and stress and everything else because our body's used to the thriving and the adventuring and the 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 exerting and going after it. So that's what's going on. Your body's working against you. Mm-hmm. And naturally you're trying to like, so you crave something else so I can get some excitement in my life and you ended up don't, not getting the work done that you need to get done. So that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. You don't need to scratch your heads anymore.
1: Yeah. So, and the ADHD just amplifies it.
0: ADHD amplifies it. Yeah. Because that would happen to a person who doesn't have ADHD. But to a person who has ADHD, it's very important that you are absolutely doing work that just completely engages you. Mm-hmm. So, long-term, yes, we're not going to be doing accounting work. Not, yeah. not this, Not the kind you're doing now, at least.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Let's, for instance, if you were researching all day long, ways to save family businesses money, or whatever, whatever, and and then you were taking those strategies and you were talking with people all day long and you were presenting, you know, hey, here's what you need to do to save money here. Then I could see that, but I just don't think yeah. that's that opportunity is going to be there in the accounting world. So the question becomes, what what if you were going to be researching most of your day? protecting most of your day, advising most of your day, what would that look like? Because what this assessment does for you is give you a job description. Yes. High-level job description. So you need to start looking, mm-hmm. up, looking out there and going, all right, I know that I'm going to be in the process and people side of things. Yes, I'm going to be involved with mm-hmm. processes to some degree, but it's got to have a people result attached to it. Does that make sense? Yes. And so your job description is now in front of you on that assessment. And so you start looking for that. And when you start looking for that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to find it. So just take what you know and go, all right, i got to stay in accounting for now. i got to bust it and be disciplined so I don't lose my job while I'm preparing for the next. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.